Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This is Prophetess Dawn, and I want to welcome you to Moa's Ark, where God dwells, Jesus reigns, the Holy Spirit guides, and we live in the agape. Good morning, everybody. And as promised, I am um, I'm doing a podcast today on toxic behaviors, toxic behaviors that we want to stop immediately. Things that we just want to cut it off and trust God, trust God that when we make this determination uh, to stop this thing, that God will give us the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding that we need to do just that. We got to cut this thing out. So today we're going to be talking about comparing yourself to others, comparing yourself to others, and becoming envious of them, uh, of other people and their successes and the things that they have accomplished in life. We got to stop that thing. I remember growing up uh, in our household with my dad and my father was one that taught us a a very solid sense of self. Um, And he gave us a lot of confidence in who we are um, in the sense that uh, he taught us that Jealousy and envy of another person is a weakness. It's a weakness. It's, it's, it's like a mental, uh, uh, emotional, spiritual weakness. And he geared us away from that. Uh, I would even venture to say uh, that it is, it is very unlikely. <laughs> it is very unlikely uh, that our unique tribe uh, will demonstrate the attributes of a person who is jealous, especially I would say the older uh, siblings. Uh, we just we were trained different. I'm telling you, uh, it was it was uh, known as a weakness to look upon somebody else and want to be like them. Uh, in in uh, reality, my dad taught us that people ought to be trying to be like you, and maybe there's a hint of haughtiness there. Uh, um, arrogance and you know but that was his way that was how he trained us and how he taught us and I'm so grateful for that I tell people a lot of times I'm grateful to God for the natural uh, representation of a father that he gave me so that I can better understand his love for us and the things that my dad instilled in us are things that if you map it back (laughs) it has some biblical origins Uh, he just didn't know it Uh, But anyway, I went on a little rant right there because I love my dad. I miss him uh, desperately. But um, just in our topic today, we're going to talk about, you know, comparing yourself to others. There is you are one of a kind. There is no one like you. And I often hear people say uh, the only comparison that you ought to make is to being a better you each and every day. And I pray that this broadcast will encourage you to do just that. But we got to cut this toxic mess out and stop comparing ourselves to others, stop being envious, and stop being jealous. Now, I'm going to say this real quick before I get into the study um, about something I learned a few years ago about the difference between envy and jealousy. Because we'll look in the Bible and it tells us uh, on 
uh, a few passages throughout the Bible that God is a jealous God. And so we look at that and we say, well, how is jealousy wrong? How is there, you know, something wrong with jealousy? And I would venture to say that there is a very distinct difference between jealousy and envy. There is a very distinct difference between jealousy and envy. Jealousy is when you, um, let's see, when you have a righteous indignation regarding the affection or the attention or just the loyalty uh, uh, of one would have to another when it belongs to you. Okay? So jealousy is when you when you look on a situation and you say, well, wait a minute. You, you, you getting uh, my time, you're getting my attention, you're getting uh, my what should have been my loyalty from something that is mine, such as a wife, right? <laughs> and I get real, you, you, you heard that in my voice, a wife, you know, being jealous of the affection that her husband may give to another woman. You know, that's that's jealousy. That's a righteous indignation because that affection in, in essence belongs to me as your wife. You ought not be giving other women what belongs to me. So that's that's jealousy. Envy is when you look on something that does not belong to you and is rightfully someone else's and you desire to have that to usurp the um, ownership from another. So in other words, we're we going to stay along the lines of, of a husband and a wife, you know, uh, a, a man having affection towards another man's wife and feeling as if I wish I had what you got. And so much so to the point where they begin to, that desire begins to overpower the reality that this does not belong to you and you begin to feel some kind of way. <laughs> That's envy. When you um, covet the blessings or the belongings of others, that's envy, and that is not of God. So what we're going to be talking about today is being envious of what belongs to others, comparing yourself to another. That mess, we got to stop, and let's get into it. All right, love you so much, and I pray that this is a blessing to you all. All right, thank you. All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to this installment of Moments with Moa. Moments with Moa, and I think I'm going to stick with that. I like that. I like how it just rolls off of my tongue. I am so excited about what God has placed in my heart today. It's been a couple of days now. I said I, I, I had this on my mind. I wanted to talk about it, wanted to get my thoughts together so that I could come out here and just, you know, really admonish you all to stop. We got to stop some of this toxic behavior uh, that 
we just exhibit in our lives each and every day. It is time for us to move forward. We are approaching 2020. Can you believe it? I I remember when we didn't think we were going to get past 1999, uh, 2000, Y2K, you know, and all of this mess. But we are crossing over into 2020. And I'm telling you one thing. I am prepared to live my best life. Amen. So we're going to talk today about... Um, Uh, some of the toxic behaviors. And the first topic I want to talk about is comparing ourselves to others and being envious of others. And I shared, you know, how my dad trained us, you know, as children, you know, and as young adults to not compare ourselves to others. People need to be comparing themselves to us. You know, it was just about being that Titan. You know, he had 12 children and of which he was proud of all of us. And he felt that we were the best thing, you know, on this side of heaven, <laughs> you know, he felt like we were better than the rest and, and he raised us to be that way, you know, so to have envy, you know, of another person, another human being was just un, um, unacceptable. It was unacceptable in his eyes. And he even taught us when we were growing up, nobody can embarrass you. You can only embarrass yourself. In other words, because you have ownership, control, and rule over your behavior, your actions, and everything associated with it, you can only embarrass yourself. Don't you worry about what other people are doing, but I'm going to throw that one in there because like I said, he's heavy on my mind this morning and I love my dad so much. Uh, I miss him so very much. Uh, but I wanted to get into this uh, about comparing ourselves to others. So let's see what the Word of God says. Uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 12, uh, and I'm going to read this from the King James Version because I have that readily prepared. Uh, but then I'm going to go into my favorite uh, the Message Bible and see what it says there. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measure, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Amen. So let's see what the Message Bible says. Second Corinthians, uh, chapter ten, verse twelve. And I don't know why, but when I do these um, uh, uh, podcasts, for some reason I get real gassy and I get these bubbles in my chest. It makes me feel like I want a bird board. You know, I just, I don't know. So y'all bear with me. But those who are more seasoned in speaking, y'all give me some techniques and some stuff so I can get rid of this because I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Uh, What did I say? Second Corinthians. All right, let's get to our message Bible. So, of course, this takes us to one and two, and it says, And now, a personal but most urgent matter, I write in the gentle but firm spirit of Christ. I hear that I'm being painted as cringing and wishy-washy when I am with you, but harsh and demanding when at a safe distance writing letters. Please don't force me to take a hard line when I'm present with you. Don't think that I'll hesitate a single minute to stand up to those who say I am unprincipled, I am an unprincipled opportunist. 
then they'll have to eat those words. That ain't what I was reading. Hold on. That's the wrong scripture. Ah, (laughs) that was good. Now, I'm not even going to record over that. That was good. So that was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. But I was actually trying to get to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, I think I said verses uh, 12, verse 12. And, and what the word of God says in verse 12 is we're not, understand, putting ourselves in a league with those who boast that they're our superiors. We wouldn't dare do that. But in all this comparing and grading and competing, they quite missed the point. Amen. So that's the scripture I was trying to get to. But the other one was good, too. And I told you all I love the word. So I'm not even going to record over that. But let's talk about uh, comparing ourselves. What is comparing ourselves? So here's a definition that I pulled up. And it says comparing means examining the similarities and differences of two or more things, ideals, or people. When we compare ourselves with others, it can be a form of jealousy that results from not trusting in the Lord's love and fairness. So oftentimes, that's why we're comparing ourselves, but we got to stop. We got to stop because one thing about uh, comparison is that that is one of the most universal and top and most toxic behaviors of all toxic behaviors where we just get complacent with comparing ourselves and the desire to look at others and look like others and to live like others and to have uh, what others have. We want their physical appearance, their material wealth, their life experiences. We want to have everything that they have. And we're comparing our lives and we feel as if because we don't have a certain thing and we haven't accomplished things, we haven't reached the same mark, that we are uh, less than worthy then we are less than them. But the devil is a liar. That is not the reality of God. He has designed a path that is uniquely and peculiarly developed for who we are, who God is in us and who we are in him and the purpose and the plan that he has for us. So oftentimes when we are looking at people's lives, and again, like I said, I'm, I'm just I'm not that person and 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 I speak so strongly towards it just because that's just the area that I never struggled with. I'm not being boastful in it, but I'm just saying, you know, but it 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 hurts my heart when I walk alongside people who struggle in that area, especially those that I hold in such high regard. And I, you know, sometimes I just think to myself, like, if you could just see you the way I see you, (laughs) and and if you could see you the way that God sees you, you wouldn't put yourself on the same pedestal, the same level as someone else to compare yourself with them. Um, So it, it bothers me a lot of times. And I found myself at the butt end of drama, you know, because people would compare themselves uh, to to what they perceive as my life. (laughs) Who wants this? (laughs) Who wants this life? 
you know, because from the outside looking in, you know, you might see a wife, you know, and, and, and you know, I struggle, boy, I struggle. These 20 some odd years, I think my baby is, what, 26? Been with my husband for 27 years. He and I have been married of those 27 years for 17. And people will look, oh, you know, they they got their marriage and they raised their children, you know, and they're successful in their careers and, you know, and, and whoever. I'm, I'm telling you, there's some people out there, y'all don't believe me, but it's some people out there. And look at this thing, baby, when I tell you, you don't want this. <laughs> You don't want this because you don't know what it took to get to where I'm at and to get to where God has brought me. It is by the grace of God and this script that he wrote for this life, it ain't going to work for nobody else. But I would find myself in situations where people would be, you know, just just ungodly, a ungodly level of, of, of insecurities you know, around me, it's like, look, I ain't no better than nobody else, you know, and that will um, manifest itself in the form of um, intimidation. You know, people will be intimidated. And what happens, you know, with people who are insecure and intimidated, they either get on that fight or flight uh, uh, spirit gets on them, you know, and they either want to come and attack me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or they flee so far away from me and, and miss out. They miss out on such a beautiful and wonderful relationship that God may have ordained because they become envious of my life. And, and if they peel back the layers and if they go under the hood and look a little deeper, they'd understand, baby, you don't want this because I was built I was built for this. I was cut out for this. But some of y'all would not be able to to endure some of the things that I had to endure to even get to this place. And I'm not putting my, you know, my situation on a pedestal either. I'm just giving you the reality of some of my life experiences because there are some people that have that have uh, have experienced far greater in life and a much more enhanced life that have done, you know, far more (laughs) and suffered much more than I ever have. Uh, But it's just a reality. And I get so sick and tired of people trying to, you know, compare themselves, especially to me, because I am, I am um, perfectly imperfect. I, I embrace uh, my imperfections, you know, and I think it's a level of confidence that I have that sometimes just rub people the wrong way, you know, because they, what they hate in themselves, they see in me, uh, that I live out loud and I love it. And they start comparing themselves to me and it becomes, you know, a challenge in my relationship or ability to build a relationship with these people. Amen. So uh, what we don't want to do is compare ourselves negatively with others uh, to uh, discontentment, discouragement, and jealousy. Okay. So if we remember in 1 Saul 18, uh, chapter 18, 8 and 9, uh, the word of God says, and Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. 
And what can he have more but the kingdom? And saw I, David, from that day forward. Ain't that a shame? That is the worst thing ever. I Look, listen, listen, listen. God has given me this platform, so I'm going to use it. <laughs> I'm going to use it. How many times in my life have I been uh, introduced to and, 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 and had great, phenomenal leaders to enter into my life and come across my path? And I just, you know, even in, in some of my years of immaturity, you know, just really wanted to be close to them, wanted to, you know, just learn and absorb as much as I could from them. And I'm telling you, that spirit of Saul will come on them so quick. They begin to look at the favor that God has on your life and how God draws others to you. And really, it is just simply because of the anointing that is on your life. The gift that God is giving you to as a tool, right, for the call that he has placed on your life. So some of the, the favor, some of, uh, uh, you know, the blessings, some of the things that these leaders would see occurring in my life is just simply because God used that to draw others towards the, the anointing. But anyway, uh, you know, I've experienced times, you know, where leaders will look and say, well, wait a minute, you know, Dawn got 10,000, but I only got a <laughs> thousand. Let me put my eye on her. I remember uh, one time, and this is someone that I care for very dearly. I mean, I, I just, I love this person. I really, really love this person. And uh, they were, uh, you know, of spiritual authority over me. And I would even say to the point that I considered them to be a mentor uh, in that season of my life. And uh, I was, I was uh, going through uh, just a, you know, a, a, a valley experience. And you guys know that I'm a consultant. I do IT consulting. So, you know, my projects come and my projects go, but God has always been faithful. So this was at a time where one of my projects had ended and it was, it was probably one of the most lucrative projects I've ever had. And this was under my own firm. So this was the first time that my firm had, um, you know, just, it was, it was a good little, nice little chunk of money, you know? So, uh, this person, you know, because they were walking with me in this season of my life, they began to see the manifestation of God's glory in my life, in this area of my profession. So I came to them and I said, look, you know, it's, it's, it's been, you know, maybe it was over a month or whatever. And I had not found my next gig, you know? And I, and I said, look, I need you to pray with me. I need you to pray with me, you know, that God will open up the windows of heaven, that 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 I will find my next opportunity. And so in obedience, this person had prayed um, and, and, and see now my mind just be going. I'm, I'm reminded of another situation <laughs> with this individual. But anyway, this person had prayed. God was faithful. Uh, we we prayed together. We trusted together. We conjoined our faith and I got another opportunity that was better than the one I had before. And I was just so amazed and astonished. And again, like I said, this was a season where I was not as 
as mature in my faith in God. And 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 this was when he was he was courting me and starting to show me just miracles, signs and wonders and the things that he was capable of doing. But anyway, so I got this job and I went back to give this individual the report. And what she said to me, I will never ever ever forget what she said to me and it hurt my heart but she said I don't know why God keeps giving you giving to you uh these things and I've been praying I've been praying and and he continues to bless you you know with money and this and that and I was like what where is this coming from? And this same individual, uh, one time I had, I had actually asked them to pray with me. Uh, this was another time I had, I, and this time I had actually lost the contract um, due to, you know, just, just some situations. And, and I went to them and they said, no, I won't pray. I will not pray with you. God keep giving you all these opportunities and you keep, you know, messing them up is, is what it is, is what they said it may not have been their direct words to me, but, but they didn't understand the culture of, or the nature of consulting, you know, where things like this happen. It, it could be of no consequence of your, uh, of your own actions, right? It's just the, the nature of, of how things happen in consulting. You can have a job today and, and, and none tomorrow, you know, so anyway, Anyway, that uh, was an experience for me, and I was just so crushed. My little heart was crushed, you know, but I understood in the flesh, you know, what, what David went to went through. All right. So again, we don't want to we don't want to compare ourselves to other others because it can lead to uh, discontentment, discouragement, and jealousy. All right. So comparing ourselves unfavorably can lead to feeling inferior and then to murmuring. A lot of y'all, y'all know y'all just be murmuring and complaining to God about stuff that ain't even necessary. Y'all sit up there and look at somebody else. Okay, this person you noticed in 2019, they done came up. (laughs) They done came up. Now they got a new house. They got a new car probably even got a new man or a new woman and you looking at their life and like, well, dang, Lord, they got all of this. When is it going to be my time? When I'm going to have what I need and blah, 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 blah. But you don't know that that house come with a mortgage. That car come with a note. And that man or that woman comes with emotional investment. You know, so keep quick comparing yourself because you don't know what that person got in comparison to what God is saying, wait a minute, hold on. I just want you to wait a little while longer because we need to build enough of a spiritual and emotional foundation for you that when you get that man or that woman, that that emotional and spiritual investment that you that you need to put into it, you'll be doing it from the overflow. You know, you I, I need you to wait so that I can give you a financial stability and foundation so that when you get that mortgage and that car note three months later, you ain't struggling to figure out how you're going to keep it. All right. So stop comparing yourself. But let's go into the word of God in Romans 9, uh, 20 and 21. So Romans chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. Nay, but O man, who art thou? That replies against God. Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Thus, 
Have not the powder power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? So in other words, don't question the maker. Because the maker can create you into anything that he desires to do. And see, the thing with us is that we got to, we have to trust God. We got to trust that what he has started in us, he will be faithful to complete it. And that what he created us, because God is, is an all-wise, all-knowing God. And he did not make a mistake when he created you, uniquely you, and peculiarly peculiarly who you are. Like I said, it took me a while. I am in my 45th year and I got this uh, this little slogan I've been walking around here with uh, 45, level 45 unlocked. Level 45 unlocked. And my baby gave me this one. Dawn of a new decade because we about to cross into 2020. But I'm telling you, it took me a long time to embrace who I am and to walk in who I am. And I'm telling you on this day, I am grateful to God for every imperfection because that is what makes me perfectly me. I'm not you. I'm not who you want me to be. I am who God created me to be. And we got to get to the point, y'all, where we trust God. We trust him more than our struggles, than our difficulties, than our trials and our tribulations and the way that society looks at us and the way that people mistreat us, the rejection that we have endured. We got to trust God far better than that. When you begin to walk in who you are, walk in who you really are, I'm telling you, your life will be enhanced. But y'all better stop questioning the maker. (laughs) All right, so let's go on. Uh, Joseph brothers envied him to the point of conspiring to kill him. But God blessed and protected Joseph and made his brothers come and beg before him. Now, I'm, I'm, that's another one I can relate to. And I'm, I'm not talking about my natural, you know, brothers and sisters, because I would imagine you know, that they would be the ones that are rooting for me. But there's a lot of similarities in uh, uh, um, uh, I don't know why this just slipped my mind. Jacob, uh, Israel, you know, it's it's a lot of similarities in the the tribes of Judah. I mean, the the 12 tribes. Come on, y'all. My mind is scattered right now. But anyway, y'all know what I'm trying to say. It's a lot of similarities with Jacob and his 12 and uh, Israel and his 12 and and my daddy and his 12. I'm just going to leave it there, you know. But, but, you know, it's a little little, um, killing and conspiring to kill. You know, up in there, that sibling rivalry. You know, I'm not gonna say that that didn't exist. You know, but when I when I think about this scripture, when I think about the word of God, you know, that talks about Joseph and his brothers, I always related to you know people outside of my you know siblings per se. You know, because I've had some folk that I would have considered uh, you know closer than a brother. <laughs> Oh boy, who when the time came, boy, baby, they conspired to destroy me. 
conspired to kill me. And when the day came when God elevated me and placed me in position uh, to assist them, uh, baby, I had to do it. I had to do it. So I can relate to this. But let's go on to Acts uh, 7 and 9. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him. <laughs> God was with him. That's all you need is for God to be with you. But don't y'all be like Joseph's brothers and conspire to kill him because you're comparing yourself. You are comparing yourself to him or to, to, to others. Cut that mess out. You are you. You The only thing you need to compare yourself to is being a better you. All right. So 2 Corinthians 10 and 12, again, it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among, among themselves are not wise. All right. So jealousy and envy <clears throat> and all of that mess. Let me tell you today, it is not of God. And he is not pleased with that mess. He's not pleased with us, you know, operating and functioning in that. And the Bible gives us so many examples. It gives us so many examples. And y'all know already, you know, when when Cain and Abel, you know, <laughs> Abel's offering was not as good as Cain's, right? So he tried to compare himself to Abel. And he got so mad, he, he got mad at, at Abel himself, and he got mad at God and went on and killed his brother. Ridiculous. I'm telling y'all, some of y'all not there yet, but if you keep on comparing yourself to somebody else, you're going to wonder why you got a murderous heart and got the work to get that stronghold up off of you. All right? So the second thing I wanted to talk about is comparing ourselves favorably with others can lead to pride and self-righteousness. All right? It can lead to pride and self-righteousness. We got to be careful. And this happens on... I talk about the church because uh, that is the community that I have been more um, engaged with and more involved in, you know, for most of my life. I've been a part of the church. And a lot of times people look down on others and think that they're better than somebody because they have this um, moral superiority. You know, they feel like their more moral compass is directed higher you know, than somebody else. And they start looking on people and comparing themselves to others. But you don't know, you know, you don't know what somebody else's walk has been, you know, to where, like I said, for me, you know, envy, envy just never was a challenge for me. I I just, (laughs) I look at people, I'm an encourager. I love people. I love to see them succeed, you know, so that I know that that is part of how God gifted me, how he created me and supplemented that with the training from my dad. So I don't struggle with that. But do I look down on other people who envy people? 
it get on my nerves sometimes. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> but I don't look down on people. I don't look down on them. You know, so so that's what this is all about. So let's go in Luke 18 uh, verses 9 through 14. And I want you all to take the time. Take the time. Go back. Meditate on this word. But the word of God said is, says, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Exhorters, unjust, extra zip. What, what, what? Oh, extortioners. <laughs> Somebody better go read this word. Uh, ex- uh, uh, extortioners, unjust, adulterers or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Okay? Okay? So the word of God is telling us right here, you know, you had that Pharisee looking on the publican and saying, look, God, I'm all these things. I ain't like these people. I ain't sinning you know, like them. And I really ain't like this publican who ain't even looking up to you. I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm doing all of these things that I know the works that you desire for me to do. Look at me. Let me boast about who I am and I'm better than them. And then here you got this publican who, who, who put his head down and humbly said, look, be merciful unto me because I'm a sinner. I know that I am perfect in my imperfection. Lord God, you created me what you desire to create in me. A new heart. <laughs> Renew within me. Change my mind. Change my soul. Change everything about me that does not please you. I humbly come before you because I am a sinner. And I desire to do your will. Alright? So let's go into Romans. Romans 12 and 3 says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, how many times we get some people that, that think um, uh, so highly of themselves? What is this? My husband saying uh, all the time. He says this all the time. Um, something of grandeur. Uh, I'm, it's gonna come to me. It's gonna come to me. But anyway, he he talks about this all the time and how people just think so highly of themselves and. And, you know, uh, narcissists and these sociopathic 
people, you know, and we got them in the church now. Don't try to just put this off onto the world. They think that they are the end all to everything. They, they the greatest thing since sliced bread and God's creation of man, you know. And they try to think higher of themselves. And it's like, look, you came for dirt just like everybody else. You ain't no better than nobody else. And we are all subject to the grace and mercy of God. Amen. All right. Romans 14 and uh, 13. Uh, Thinking of ourselves as superior compared to others can cause others in turn to look upon themselves negatively. Now, this is something that we really, really honestly have to consider. Um, We live this life as if, you know, it's all about us. It's, it's our own life. And, you know, we we just walk in this thing out. But it's not all about you. It's not all about you. God, you know, he sent us in this world to journey life together as humans. You know, so, yes, what you do and your actions can contribute negatively to the, the, the life and the path of others. So think about that, that when you start making yourself superior, you make people feel like they're less than you. Let's look at Romans 14 and 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or occasion to fall in his brother's way. So don't put yourself in a position where you looking down on people. When I was, when I first started out uh, in in the church, and I, I was, I was very young. I was about 14 years old uh, when I met my first pastor, uh, Pastor Ginyard, and their family. And I began to go to church with them. And and you know, I felt the love. I felt, you know, that was God. God over those years, it was a great experience for me, simply because that foundation had to be solid. It had to be solid. So these were a loving people. They were encouraging, you know, and, and, you know, whatever, you know, years later, (laughs) you know, I may have had some challenges. But anyway, at that time, you know, they were loving and encouraging people and helped to build a firm, firm foundation. Uh, But as I got older and I began to walk in sin and, you know, started having my babies and, you know, a lot of shame. I dealt with a lot of shame and condemnation, which, by the way, is not of God. God comes to convict us, not to condemn. But I'm not going to get into that today. But anyway, um, as I I grew in Christ and and my maturity, you know, began to increase, I, I, you know, walk less in sin and more in holiness and righteousness. But I can remember early on as a mother, uh, I was a teenage mom, and I carried that stigma uh, with me, and it was mostly internal, uh, mostly what I, you know, what I felt about myself, self-shaming, um, you know, because I just kept having babies. Every time I backslide, every time <laughs> I would backslide, I would have a baby. You know, my kids are one, two, three, and four years apart, and I didn't have any of them uh, as a married woman. Uh, well, I, I had my son after I was married, my baby boy, uh, but I wasn't married when they were conceived, so I'm going to leave it right there. But anyway, I carried a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. But I would uh, notice and observe uh, as I moved here to Cincinnati, 
and came under, you know, another covering that women, women that I revered and regarded dearly would look down on me. They would look down on me because, you know, all they would see, you know, is, is this mother, mother hen, you know, carrying around these little chicks, you know, and they never saw my husband. They never saw, you know, whatever. And I feel like they made a judgment. You know, I almost felt like a leper for many, many years. You know, they, they just wouldn't want to touch me. They didn't want to uh, mentor me. They didn't want to coach me, you know, because I was a sin box to them. But did, little did they know, you know, little did they know I was a married woman you know, caring for my children, taking care of my husband, you know, doing all of the things that I felt was biblically correct, you know. But anyway, uh, that challenged me and it caused me to look down uh, negatively on myself because I just didn't understand why, you know, they, they had these sets in the church and these groups and, you know, okay, well, you ain't a part of this because you ain't that, you know, so so that damaged me you know, over the years. All right. So comparing fosters a spirit of competition and pride, competition and pride. I recently told somebody that as a matter of fact, it was the day before yesterday, I met with um, a recruiting firm to talk about opportunities, you know, within their organization. And I just, I wasn't getting a vibe with them, you know, but that's a different story. But anyway, um, you know, but I was sharing with the young lady, I said, for me, the corporate experience is, is not for everybody, not for everybody, because I'm not a competitive person. I just, I'm not competitive. I'd rather give it to you than fight for it. I'd rather give it to you than, than try to uh, spar with you to get it. I just have never been competitive outside of with my man now. <laughs> my children, now that, that's my kryptonite. Y'all pray for profiting, you know, but I, hey. Come on, don't don't mess with them because I'll be ready to fight. But with something that is less endearing to me, you know, such as, you know, my, my profession, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to compete with anybody. And the one thing that rubbed me uh, that, that really proved that I wasn't the best fit for corporate America is all of this infighting and, and, and politicking. You know, I just, I don't know how to do it. I don't want to learn how to do it. And I won't be it. And I'm going to do a series on that too, you know, with, with office politics anyway, to help us, us, those of us who are the remnant within the remnant, who know that it's foolishness and we will not comply with or assimilate into that mess. But anyway, what was I talking about? (laughs) Fosters a spirit of competition and pride. You know, I ain't competing against nobody for nothing. You know, if it's meant for me, what God has for me is for me. And what God has for you is for you. And if you're fortunate enough to walk along my path, if I see that it's for you, it's my goal to help you get it. I ain't competing for nothing. But in 1 Corinthians 4 and 7, it says, For who maketh thee to defer from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive from God? Now, if thou didst receive, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? 
Stop trying to compete against people for what God has for you is for you. And if it ain't for you, it ain't for you. Stop trying to compete. Stop comparing yourself. Be confident in God and increase your faith in him. So that what he has for you is for you. All right. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. Mm. 13 and 4. And y'all need to get back into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and learn a few things about what we ought to be. Love. God is love. God is love. His very essence is love. His nature, his being is love. You know, just like we are human beings, God is a love being. Okay. So get in, 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 uh, first Corinthians and take it literal. That's how we supposed to be. All right. But 13 and four says love suffereth long and is kind charity envieth not love vaunteth not against itself, not its vaunteth, not itself. I'm sorry. It's not puffed up. All right. So if you focus more on love, you do less comparing. You do less comparing. Now, when you start comparing yourself to others, and I'm just being real with you, because we got to cross over into 2020 being more mature than we were in 2019 and the years uh, preceding. But if you constantly looking at other people, envying what other folks got, then check your love. Check your love barometer. See if you got love in your heart. Clank, clank, clank. (laughs) Clanking like symbols. Empty. Ain't got nothing. Come on now. Where is your love? Where is your love? All right, we got a few more. We got a few more to go. We got a few more to go. All right. Comparing is often a two-way street. As borne out by um, the story of Rachel and Leah, the wives of Jacob. I I listened to this uh, preaching one time years ago. Where, you know, I always heard the story of Rachel and Leah. And I always thought that uh, Rachel was the favorite of Jacob. But in all actuality, it was Leah who he, um, you know, who who he was buried beside. But anyway, um, the point is... Comparing yourself can go both ways. So you can have two people comparing themselves unfavorably with the other. And 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 here's the funny and ironic thing about it is that the one you compare yourself to want to be like you and they want they they want to be like you and you want to be like them. How ridiculous is that? How, how ridiculous is that? But if you think about Rachel and Leah, they wanted to be each other. They wanted to be each other. Ain't that a mess? If we would just be confident and and, and really, here's here's a tip. Here's a tip for some of y'all. The ones that you're comparing yourself with, leverage their strengths to enhance your life. And leverage 
uh, what you see as your weaknesses, right? To be an asset in another person's life because they desire what you see as a weakness, as, as, as you know, the things that you don't excel in. They want to be just like you. We got we to gotta start retraining our minds to think differently. All right. So in Genesis 29 and 17, Leah didn't compare favorably with uh, Rachel in appearance. <laughs> Leah was tender eye or timid or weak eye. And Rachel was beautiful and well favored. And how often do we see this? How often do we see this? We look at people and we just be like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. I wish I had her eyes. I wish I had her hips. I wish I had, you know, this and that. And we looking at these people and they sitting up in their room and they mirror just looking like, oh Lord, I hate these eyes. Mm. <laughs> I was I was joking the other day on my baby's uh, Facebook post. You know, it was a young lady who, she did something just so outrageous. It just, oh my God. She went out and had her whole backside open at a Lakers game. And and she's one of those that she's trying to promote the fact that she is she is self-confident. You know, she's a big lady and we could be attractive and we could be sexy too. But honey, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Nope. No, ma'am. You are inappropriate. You are inappropriate. <laughs> that mess you pulled is inappropriate. It would have been inappropriate if you were skinny. It, it would have been inappropriate if you were bigger. But anyway, she wanted to show that she, you know, had the confidence. So I told my baby, I said, look, that would be like me, you know, walking around here and telling everybody, look, I'm confident in the fact that I got this lazy eye. My daddy passed it down to me. It's my only inheritance that he left me. I got it. I see it all the time. I love it. You know, but I ain't sitting up taking no cross-eyed selfies, you know, all the time. I try to get all up in it. But anyway, that's just my little joke for today. But <laughs> Leah was tender-eyed. And Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And how many times do we see that? You know, be the prettiest girls in the group. People just favor them. It's just, you know, it's 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 a natural phenomenon, especially in the in the United States, for people to gravitate towards people that they feel are attractive. They give them favors. They give them, you know, they look the other way. They, you know, they treat them well, you know. And and some people who are less attractive, they experience other things, you know. So I could just imagine how Leah looked up to Rachel you know, and her beauty and and her awe and wanted to be like her, you know, but imagine the pressure that she put on herself when she could have just embraced that little old tender, tender eye and, and accepted it as God's mark on her to make her unique, her, her beauty mark, you know, nobody else had one like it. (laughs) All right. Genesis 30 and one. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children. Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Here she is, envious towards her sister. 
She's like, well, wait a minute. I ain't had no baby yet. I ain't had no baby. Give me one. I'm going to die if you don't give it to me. How many times have you or have you experienced or, or witnessed how people... You know, they want something so bad that somebody else got that they feel like if I don't get it, I'm going to die. Ain't that goofy? That's the most ridiculous thing ever. You know, if you don't give me a husband. I, she, she got this husband. She been with this man all these years. And she tender-eyed. And I'm beautiful. <laughs> It got this man all these years, and I can't even find one. Baby, you don't know what she going through behind closed doors. You don't know what Rachel got to endure and go through with all that beauty. You don't know what she had to be challenged with. All right, y'all, Leah's out there. Stop being envious. And Rachel's, stop being envious. All right, so Leah was also envious of Jacob's love for Rachel. Right? So Genesis 30 and 15a, the word of God says, And Leah said unto Rachel, Is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? Now, this was a little unique situation because God was allowing all that marrying multiple wives crap. And I, I couldn't imagine me and my sister being in love with the same man. So I just I I I, I can't even relate to this outside of the words on the page because I just, mm-mm, no baby. You know, I told y'all that man is my kryptonite. But anyway, uh, you know, Leah, she 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 had a little envy towards Rachel. Like, wait a minute, he, he favored you a little bit more. But had she just looked a little deeper, had she looked a little deeper, see, and I, look, I, I told y'all before, I do have an undergrad degree in theology, but I'm not a theologian. But sometimes I can read the Word of God and get gain an understanding. So you theologians out there, don't try to crack me over the head and, and correct me, you know, with this. But but just, you know, this, this just Don, you know, who's had some life experiences. I can imagine that Jacob was enamored by Rachel's beauty. He was in awe of it. He loved the fact that she was so pretty. You know, and he got to know her, right? That probably carried on the first few years of their marriage. And, you know, he's still still fueled by that um, you know, just just that, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, infatuation with her. So he's very few about that. But what did they really, you know, once you once you got to the crust of, of the marriage, what did they really have? But see, Leah, on the other hand, she didn't have beauty to stand behind. They had to do the work. They had to really get to know each other. He had to fall in love with her. So that is why this love story is so unique. Because while on the surface, it was more of a 
uh, uh, superficial love that Jacob had for uh, Rachel. But it was endearing to Leah because he grew to love her. Now, as a woman, can I be in that kind of relationship? (laughs) Probably not. But uh, this is another example. All right. So comparing also results from carnal mindedness and spiritual immaturity. I told y'all we got to get mature in um, 2020 now. I tried to do this um, book club and I might start it back up because it's so important. But I was trying to get us to read this book uh, to help us in our spiritual and, uh, you know, emotional growth. You know, because we walk around here trying to act like we so spiritually mature and we are emotionally immature. That's an oxymoron. It's impossible. It is impossible for you to do. So y'all invest in your spiritual maturity, your emotional maturity. So I learned a very valuable lesson <laughs> that when I go through this, um, through, through these recordings, if I get a call on my phone, that it will stop my recording. So anyway, all right. So that was a good little interruption because I was going on the tangent there. But we got to we have to uh, really deal with this carnal mindedness uh, and this spiritual immaturity. Do as much as you can. We got a few more, you know, weeks in 2019. But don't go past the first quarter in, in January without, I'm sorry, in uh, 2020, without doing something to uh, to really deal with this thing. Because, it's, you know, I'm getting sick of y'all. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Look, I'm getting sick of myself. You know, we got to cut this carnal-minded mess out. And spiritual immaturity. All right. So Romans uh, 8 and 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. All right. So we need to mind the things of the spirit and stop being so carnal minded. All right. First Corinthians 3 um, verses 1 through 8. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, and ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? but ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted Paulus, I mean, I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth 
and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. All right? So stop being so carnal-minded, envying each other, having strife and division, you know, because we so focused on the flesh. All right? So let the Lord be the judge. Let God be the judge. He sees the hidden uh, man of the heart. As, as humans, we measure from the intent of the action, from the output of the action, right? God measures from the intent of the heart. He's the only one that sees that. So let God be the judge. First, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transformed to myself and to Apollos for your sakes that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. Let God judge. Let him judge. Uh, Galatians 6 and 12, many desire to make a fair show of the flesh. If you are constantly comparing yourself to others, you are carnal-minded and you are spiritually immature. Let me be clear about this fact. I don't care who you are. If you are sitting up looking at somebody else's life, comparing them to you either in a positive or a negative way, if you looking at them and being like, uh, well, I'm not as smart as such and such, so I can't succeed in this. Oh, boy. Oh, 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 Now, this just dropped in my spirit. I would look at, when I, when I started out in my career, I was so intimidated. I was so intimidated by the intellect of other people. I was so intimidated. I always felt so timid and shy and, oh man, I don't belong because I'm not as smart as this person. I, I didn't envy them. You know, I didn't look at them and be like, oh, I wish I was as smart as them. No, 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 no. But I did compare myself in the sense that I felt like, oh, I'm less than because I'm not, you know, I, I didn't take the traditional path. You know, I didn't go to college straight out of high school. You know, I didn't, you know, I I was having babies. I was up having babies and decided, decided one time I realized that uh, IT was a career that people could make good money in. And I realized that they could do it without a four-year degree. (laughs) And I am my daddy's daughter. And I am my father's child, and my daddy was a hustler. I said, okay, hey, this is a way I can go make some money and provide for my family. All right, let's do it. I went into a program to get, at that time, they called it the MCSD, Microsoft Certified Solution Developer. 
And I learned all of these things about developing, uh, .NET development, all of that mess. And I'm telling you to this day, I can't do nothing but change the background screen from one color to another. And I don't even know if I could do that still. <laughs> but I had, I had come up with this technique to test and learn so that I can get this certification. And I had gone through this, I think it was a 10-month program uh, through New Horizons. And um, I tried to enter into the program, and this was the first year, I'm telling you, I don't even know if they got this program any longer. I sometimes tell myself God designed it for me. But I got into this program, and this was the first year that they had done a collaboration uh, with my school, which was the Union Institute and University, and they collaborated for their accreditation. And where this was significant is that they needed that accreditation in order to get uh, um, federal funding, you know, so we can get grants and, you know, Pell Grants and stuff like that. So to pay for uh, the, the education. So I went through the program. Uh, I got my little grants, you know, and it was it was as if I was taking university courses. So I got through the program and just just to pass the program in and of itself, you know, you come out with nothing less than, let's say, a C. You know, if you do well in your classes, you can get a B on your own, you know, but if you, you know, do well on your classes and you get the certification, you know, you, you ace it, right? So needless to say, I aced it, you know, and I, I think I probably did get a couple of Bs, you know, on a couple of the college courses, but for the most part, I got A's, you know, whatever. And so I had no consideration whatsoever to getting a four-year degree, none whatsoever. It just wasn't in the cards for me. I was raising these kids. I just need to make some money. And I sat down. I don't remember this lady's name, but I'll always remember her face. And we sat down for the first time. She was my um, academic advisor. And she looked over my transcript and looked over all my stuff. And she said, you know what? With this program, because I think the program gave me a year of college credits. And I already had, you know, what was equivalent to a year. She said, you can get a four-year degree in less than two years. And that was music to my ears. I, I never, ever did I think about getting my degree because I had just settled in the fact that, hey, I got these babies. I need to, you know, take care of my children. And I didn't even think that, but who would have thunk it? <laughs> that God used that experience to take me uh, into my next level with them. But anyway, the point is, I never felt even from my childhood, that I measured up intellectually. That's why that trigger for me, you know, that I still work on to this day, you know, like like an addict, you know, is when someone tries to um, undermine my intellect or treat me like I'm unintelligent, you know, because I struggled with that for so long. But when I walked into corporate America, I always had this, this stigma hanging over my head where I just felt like I just did not measure up because I felt like I was, I was too, um, I felt like I was just too, um, I felt like I was dumb, <laughs> you know, I felt like I was dumb, you know, and, and, and I didn't measure up and, and I, man, I wasted so many years putting these people on pedestals above me and, and, and let me tell you, 
<laughs> they were not the brightest of the bright. I, I was so uh, carnal-minded and spiritually immature that that facade that I created in my mind became a reality. It, it And, you know, I'm a woman of God. I ain't going to call nobody dumb, you know, on, on this broadcast because I don't want to deter y'all. But I'm just keeping it a little bit real. You know, they, I ran across some people who were not critical thinkers. And some of them, I, I say to this day, they might, you know, register on that spectrum, you know, for, for, for some of those, you know, uh, autistic, you know, and their critical thinking was not to par, you know, up to par. But anyway, that's that's something that I can really relate to because I allowed myself to compare myself to other people, not really trusting God and knowing that what God has for me is for me. And even in my inferiority, even in my immaturity, God still pushed me right along. <laughs> I ain't misbeat. I ain't stagnate. None of that. I learned along the way, but God continued to elevate me and elevate me and elevate me. All right? So we learn in the Bible that Jesus' disciples actually fell prey to comparing amongst themselves against each other. And see, we do that. We know that, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's our human nature. It's our carnal nature to want to compare. In Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4, the Word of God says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall uh, therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Come on now. We sit up here comparing ourselves and Jesus just laid it right on out. All we should be concerned about, who are we in the kingdom? Who are we and who are the greatest? And he told us, this is how you become great. Humble yourself as a little child. I told y'all this talking make me real gassy. All right. Matthew 20, 20, chapter 20, verse 20, 21, 24 through 28. And the word of God says, Then came unto him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She said unto him, Grant that these my sons may sit on one, may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in the kingdom. And when the ten heard it, they were moved, but indignation, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. 
but whosoever will be great among you, let them be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let them be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. Y'all focusing on being better or comparing yourself to somebody else. Compare yourself to Jesus. Compare yourself to this. He said, let the great among you, let them be your minister. Minister to the people of God. And whosoever be the chief among you, let them be your servant. Serve. Serve those around you. You ain't gonna have time to compare. <laughs> All right. Luke 9:46 through 48. There, uh, then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be greatest. And Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart. See, he could perceive the thoughts of your heart. Said unto them, That uh, is least among you is the same be great. So he that is the least among you, the same shall be great. John 21, 20 through 22. Then Peter turning about, see if the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper. Peter seeing him said unto Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus said unto him, if I will that he tarry to remain here till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Stop looking at everybody else. Stop worrying about what somebody doing with or for somebody else. He said, look, if I want him to tarry and wait here for me until I come, what business is that of yours? You follow me. Stop worrying about the favor that I have on other people or what I'm doing for somebody else. All right? We have to get to the point where we lean and depend on God to help us out of comparing ourselves with others because that will make us envious and jealous. And we get so complacent with this thing, we we just feel like, oh, that's just human nature. But realize this is not of God. When your mind is renewed and you're born again, you're you're not just human nature. Stop letting that stuff slide. And let God help you to overcome it. You have to be honest. You got to be honest. I shared this in an earlier uh, podcast. I remember listening to um, Jackie McCullough a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. uh, And she was just talking about sometimes we seek deliverance for stuff and we just, we, we do tarry before God and we go before him, but we're not honest. We're not honest. You know, some of this stuff feel good because we become common with it. And, you know, she just shared a story about someone who was stuck in their addiction. And they like, look, I want to get rid of it. She said, you lying to God because, you know, it make you feel good when you do that. It became a, a, a social, you know, appetite, something that you use socially to make you feel good. So, no, you you feel good. You want it. You love it. Tell God that and tell him to take that desire out of you. 
you know. Tell them to take that desire out of us to compare ourselves to others so that we can be confident in who he created us to be. That's the first step. And then if you want to stop comparing yourself to others, be thankful. Be thankful. Thankfulness will counteract uh, comparison any day, any day. Because remember, I told you when I started out in my career, I was so uh, insecure and timid and shy and felt like I didn't belong. I just looked at these people like they were so intelligent and, and so refined and, you know, just polished and all of this stuff. And I was not thankful for the fact that God, look, for me to get to where I was, I had to have some intellect. <laughs> I should have grabbed hold to that and thank God for that. All right, Romans 7 and 25. Now listen, again, I say this all the time, but this is a disclaimer. The reason that I read the word of God is because that's where the power is at. I'm telling you the truth. That's where the power, I can sit up and talk a whole bunch of rhetoric, give you a whole bunch of examples of experiences that I've had in life, but where is the power? Where is the power? We sit up under these motivational speakers that that, uh, pose under or under the guise of being preachers and prophets and all of this stuff. We get all riled up in our emotions and our flesh and we feel good after we leave. A week later, we ain't got nothing. We ain't got nothing because it's the word of God that brings forth the power that we need. Amen. All right. Romans 7 and 25. And some of y'all don't be complaining about how long it take me to get through this because some of y'all need this time. Now, all right. <laughs> Romans 7 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the Lord of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. First Corinthians 12 verses 7, I'm sorry, 4 through 7, 11, 12, 14 through 18. Keep in mind that God created us to fulfill a special role. He created us individually, uniquely, and peculiarly securely as ourselves to to uh, fulfill a plan, a role in the body of Christ. So so grab hold to that. Stop trying to be like somebody else because you can't. All right, so let's read the word of God. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. All right, diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. So we got these different gifts, but one spirit. We got different administrations, how we administer them. But one Lord, one governance, one governing body. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh in all. So we may operate, function different. It's the same God that is working through us. 
But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. But all these worketh that one and the same self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and have many members and all the members of one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot say because I am not the hand I am not of the body is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say because I am not the eye I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, (laughs) where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now have God set the members, every one of them in the body, it as it has pleased them. And you ain't stop trying to be an eye. When God designed you to be a foot. Stop trying to be an ear. When God made you a hand. You cannot possibly measure or compare the ability of a hand against the ear. Come on now. They do two totally different things. I cannot look at my ear and say, because you ain't pick up that cup and put it to my mouth, you are unworthy. That ain't his job. It's not created to lift anything up. Now, if my hand, you know, was malfunctioning and and tried to pick up a a cup and was listening for it. (laughs) This thing is deep. I would get cross-eyed at it. Like, what what you doing? You a hand. I want to pick that cup up and stop trying to hear. All right, so so get get it for real, y'all. Stop. Stop comparing yourself. Stop comparing yourself. And and for those of you who are within close proximity to me, y'all walk around me. Let me start seeing you from this day forward. Because we all, we after this podcast, we all going to be on the same level. We all, same understanding of this thing and same agreement that we're going to stop this toxic behavior of comparing ourselves to others. Now, if you start comparing yourself, don't get mad if I start asking you, why are you trying to be a foot? Why are you trying to be a foot? <laughs> Compare yourself to something. All right. All right. Where was I? First uh, Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. All right. So we got to be grateful and thankful for what God made us in spite of our thoughts. I'm telling you, all of us are imperfect. If you find one perfect man, bring him to me. One perfect woman, bring them to me. They, it, it doesn't exist. We are all imperfect. The only infallible, the only infallible is God. And he made himself manifest through man, which is Jesus Christ, and left with us a comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. That's the only infallible, tangible thing that we have in the earth today. It definitely ain't nothing that was made from dirt. So thank God. Start embracing your faults. Um, 
what I talk about the other day, you know, the, um, you know, the fact that I'm simple minded. Oh boy, my daddy couldn't stand it. He, you know, he had this Titan complex now. You know, all his kids were supposed to be intelligent and, you know, beautiful and all of these things, big and tall, strong. You know, he, he, he was a, he was a different kind of man. But anyway, that's what he expected. But I didn't represent that. You know, it took me a little bit longer to get stuff than my siblings. I'm telling you, dumb Courtney 12, some brilliant minds over there. That's one thing people have always said. You know, I'm, I'm talking about brilliant minds, some of the most intellectual people you will ever meet. You know, I, I, I look at people like the Clark sisters or, or, you know, the whiners, you know, where they have these big families and, and, you know, they got their signature gift, you know, and I look at, uh, at them, you know, theirs is sinking. Ours is just intellect, critical thinking, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's in the blood, it's in the blood. But anyway, you know, I have embraced that, you know, because being simple-minded has been the greatest asset of my uh, professional career. Just being able to look at complex things and break it down in the simplest form in a way that anybody can get it. You know, I probably, I'm probably still not smarter than a fifth grader, but I'm telling you, I can break a thing down that a fifth grader can understand it, you know, in a preschooler. But anyway, all right. So what was I saying? I was reading... Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, it says, For I am the least of the apostles, that am not, that am not met, that am not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which has bestowed upon me was not in, in vain. But I labored more abundantly than uh, they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Now, Paul telling you, I'm the least of all the apostles. <laughs> I'm nothing. As a matter of fact, I used to persecute the church. I used to kill them physically. He talking about for real. He used to kill them. You know, but I, I can relate to that because, you know, I feel like, hey, I'm the least of them. But by the grace of God, he has brought me to this point. He has brought me to this day. He has brought me to this season in my life where I have done more for the kingdom than I ever expected. Done more for the people of God than I ever expected because I was the one who persecuted them. I was the one that put them down, killed them literally. Look at me now. He embraced his flaws, as, as so shall we do the same. Philippians 4, Philippians 4, 11 and 12. Now that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I remember uh, years ago, my aunt 
asked me this question. She said, do you know what it means to be a base and to be a bound? And back then, I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, I could tell you, you know, academically or by definition what it meant. But baby, when I tell you, I did not know until I lived a little bit of life and suffered through, a, you know, some things because I've been hungry and I've had abundance of food. I've been poor and I've had overflow of finances. But baby, when I tell you, I have learned that no matter what state I'm in, I am content. I'm content with the God that I serve because what God has for me is for me. I'm not worried about nothing else or nobody else. This is between me and him. First uh, Timothy chapter 1 and 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who have enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into ministry. All right. First Timothy 6 and 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Ooh, Jesus. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay. All right. So where did we leave off? I think we were talking about um, First Timothy. So let's see. We already went there. Um, First Timothy 6 and 6. I already went over that one. All right. Hebrews 13 and 5. Let your conversation, your conduct, your behavior, your way of life be without covetedness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So be content with what you got. Stop trying to compare yourself to everybody else and everything and, and coveting what they have. All right, Revelations 5, 9, and 10. Uh, <clears throat> the word of God says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and have made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Okay? So be thankful. Be thankful for what you have, for who God is and what he is doing uh, in your life. Stop comparing yourself to others. And realize at the end of the day, pleasing God, pleasing Jesus is all that really matters. That's really all that matters. As we continue to journey this life and in this world that God has given us, the only thing that matters is pleasing God and pleasing Jesus. All right, Uh, John 5 and 44. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not to honor that cometh from God only? 
How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? See, we try to please other people. We get all of these um, uh, accolades and awards from the world and, and the secular world. They do a lot of uh, competitions and, and award shows and things like that. And we get caught up in that and not even consider how are we honoring God. I was reading something. I actually watched a video the other day of a minister. Um, I want to say his, his church is in Maryland or something like that. I've never heard of him. But they said that he's one of those uh, large mega preachers. And he was just saying that he feels disconnected from God. He, he, he just feels, you know, like he needs a sabbatical. And, and he just been running and, and doing so much. And, you know, I was reading some of the comments associated uh, with his uh, testimony. And a lot of, especially leaders, were somewhat sympathetic and empathetic to his situation and his stance. And they were just saying, you know, sometimes we just give our all. We just need to step back and, you know, get in, get in relationship with God. But <clears throat> to me, <clears throat> excuse me, to me, we ought to be ministering and, 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 and preaching out of the overflow of that relationship. So I, I'm not saying that sabbaticals are not needed. I'm not saying that we may not get to a point where we don't feel God because sometimes I get there, but I know what drives me there. It is when I am not taking time and making a conscious effort to get into his presence, uh, to find that balance, to find that balance. Jesus is everything to me. Uh, ministry is a part of what God has called me to in the earth. Parenting, uh, being a wife, uh, being a professional. These are all parts of uh, the attributes of, of who I am <clears throat> or what I do. But uh, having the balance of being in the overflow presence of Christ. Therefore, you will be able to do everything else out of the overflow uh, but anyway, <clears throat> we seek the accolades and, and the honor from the world. And we try so hard to meet their expectations where we're not even pleasing God. Romans 14 and 12 says, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. At the end of the day, we got to account for ourselves to God and nobody else. That doesn't mean that... We don't have leadership and those that we ought to obey <coughs> and be governed by in the earth. It means that they don't usurp the authority of God. God is the highest power of authority. First Corinthians 4 and 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. <coughs> And then shall every man have praise of God. <clears throat> so God is going to be our final judge. He's going to be our final judge. So we need to be pleasing him. Uh, first, 2 Corinthians 10, 17 and 18. But he that glorifieth, let, he, I'm sorry, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. 
for not he that commandeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commandeth. Galatians 6 and 4, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. <clears throat> I heard something just dropped in my mind. What if... <laughs> what if what if preachers went back to preaching the word? You know, we don't got so far into this motivational speaking and self-awareness, this and that. We just we don't minister the word anymore. And the word is where there is power. There is power. All right. So at the end of the day, <clears throat> in our comparing, there is a valid comparison. There is a um, an area that, hey, if you start comparing yourself, I will I will promote and and say all power to you because this is the only comparison that we ought to make in the earth, and that is comparing ourselves to Jesus. We are to compare ourselves to Jesus because our lives should mirror the life of Jesus as he walked as God walked the earth. So that's what we ought to do. We ought to compare ourselves. Isaiah uh, 53, 2b through 4 and 6b, 7 uh, through 10 says, He hath formed no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of man, of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of all of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He has taken from prison and from judgment And who shall declare his generations? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper his hands. Come on now. Can you compare to that? Let's see. That's what your life needs to be about. A sacrifice. A sacrifice. He said he went, he went as a as 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 uh, a sheep is dumb to shears. <laughs> he went to the slaughter and he didn't open his mouth. He didn't say a word. 
He was stricken and smitten of God for our sins. Can you emulate that? Stop trying to be like other people. Hebrews 4 and 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Come on. Can you compare to that? Can you compare to that? It's he, he, he was touched with all of our infirmities. It says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities. Listen, the priests of the Old Testament, they had to go through them, but they could not feel their infirmities. They couldn't feel it. They couldn't take it on. But Jesus felt all of that. And he was tempted just like we are, but he was tempted without sin. Come on, that's something to compare to. Hebrews 12, 2 through 4. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. Come on. That's what you need to be striving to be. Like compare yourself to that. First Peter 2, 21 and 23. For even unto, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2, 21 and 23, it says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we shall follow his steps. That's key. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him, to our God, that judges righteously. He committed himself to God because God is the only righteous judge. <laughs> he didn't revile them back. He suffered. He didn't suffer. He didn't threaten them back. He committed, he committed himself to God and let God judge him. Let God be the judge. But I want you all to understand how imperative it is that we get this message. It is important that we get this thing and that we stop comparing ourselves to others. Just cut it out. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. That is not God's will. Are, are, are you not impressed? Are you not impressed with uh, the majesty of the God that we serve? So much that you want to compare yourself with something else? He created you. You are his masterpiece. We don't want to be like Jacob and Esau. You know. <laughs> trying, trying to kill each other. Deceiving each other. Until the point that you got nations still in our time fighting 
against each other because these two brothers, sibling rivalry, comparing themselves to each other, being deceitful, trying to one-up each other. Leah and Rachel, come on. One of them beautiful, but can't, but is barren. The other one, apparently, <laughs> her looks ain't mean that much. She was able to, to get pregnant. That mean the husband was, you know, he was seeing something. Saul and David. Saul, that, that, one, that one hits me a special way. Because when I, when I read the book of Saul, I mean, I'm sorry, when I read in um, about Saul and the king that he was, the leader that he was, there are so many qualities about him as a leader that was just great. It was phenomenal. But when I think about how he revered David towards the end, it just, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart, but it's that ungodly um, it's that ungodly comparison. And then another, another one in the Bible that gets me is the prodigal son. <laughs> now that one I, oh my goodness, that one just, it, it drives me nuts to think about here you are in your father's kingdom. Here you are in your father's kingdom. That Your father's kingdom, that means that everything that belongs to him belongs to you. And, and you're going to stand outside and hear a celebration and get upset. You're going to get m- mad and angry that your brother is celebrating because you feel like, hey, <laughs> I want my money now. I want everything that belongs to me now. And you comparing yourself to somebody who, you know, has what you got. Somebody who turned from your father was was in was disobedient. And that that's the thing when it comes to, to sibling rivalry that just you know, and I'm trying to get my thoughts together because it's something powerful in this story that I feel like we don't really tap into. You know, we always talk about the the relationship with the father and the son who ran off. But what about that brother? That brother who was envious and comparing himself to to his brother. Look, I done did everything right. I stuck with you when he left. And then here he come back and you want to celebrate him. He done squandered all your money, all of the resources that you, you know, gave him ahead of time. What about me? Why don't you see me? That's where you get in trouble when you begin to, to, to compare yourself. 
I remember when we, when we had our dad, all of us had a different relationship with my father. And again, I, I tell you, I'm so grateful that God gave me a natural father to be raised by because it helped me understand in a tangible way the love of a father. And I'm not saying my daddy, you know, he, he had his challenges raising us, but, but it just gave me insight into some things. But all 12 of us had our own personal relationship with my dad, some better than others, and some that, you know, just looking into it, we would have thought was bad. But one day God gave me revelation because I, I, I do remember the situation. I was going to say I don't remember it, but I do remember it. I was coming home to visit with my parents, uh, and I, I was challenged in my youth with obedience. Okay, let me be clear. I was, I was a rebel. My uncle deemed me as a rebel without a cause, and I used to hate that. I used to hate when he said that about me. I, you know, still to this day, it kind of triggers a little, little something. But anyway, but as I grew older, I became probably one of the most obedient of my parents' children, you know, because I realized the uh, commandment to honor thy mother and thy father. So I would always try to honor them and try to respect them and try to never disrespect them, especially my dad. And my dad had a tendency to do, you know, just little vindictive things and, and what I would say is mean, but Anyway, but I still would never disrespect him. So I was there on a visit one time and, you know, he was talking to one of my siblings and and I just felt the sibling was just extremely disrespectful. And I'm just listening like, who you think you talking to? (laughs) And you know, I I was younger then, you know, and just a little bit more immature. And I'm like, who they talking to? You know, I, I, I just did not appreciate how that sibling was talking to my dad. And so when I, you know, I, I probably had words with that individual because I used to pop off a lot back then, you know, but I know for sure, you know, I had a discussion with another sibling and I'm like, what, who do they think? I mean, they just so disrespectful to my dad, you know, and, and this and that. And I used to always feel like if anybody should have a right to disrespect them, it ought to be me, you know, but I, I wouldn't disrespect them. But anyway, God had given me revelation and showed me that the relationship with my dad and that sibling is different than the relationship that I had with my dad. And my dad did not see that conversation as being disrespectful. It was the way that they interacted and engaged with each other. And so I couldn't compare my relationship with my dad to the relationship he had with my sibling and then measure whether or not that sibling was being disrespectful. It's the way they, they kind of had that banter with each other. They kind of talked to each other like that and they kind of had that rapport and relationship. And it was foreign to me because again, you know, I, I had disconnected from the family, moved all the way out of state. So I wasn't uh, privy to, to that on a, on a normal basis. It was probably normal to everybody around. But for me, I was really taken aback, you know, and you cannot 
you can't compensate for or you can't replace the love that a parent has for a child. I don't care how many kids you have. And I tell my children this all the time. You know, it's, it's only one me, but I have multiple children. And, and that same one me has to cater to the personalities of all of these different people. And trust me when I tell you, <laughs> they all different. I can put them in one bucket category, but, but anyway, that's a different show. But they're all different. But I have to learn how to, with my personality, cater to all of them. And what it, what it appears to be is, for, for some time, favoritism of one over the other. Or, you know, uh, um, it, what they say with my baby boy, you know, that I never discipline him or whatever. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's not what it seems on the surface. It's just as a parent. You know, we love all of our children. And when all of my babies came into this world, I mean, I ain't going to get into how I felt before they got here. <laughs> but once, once I held them jokers in my arms, I'm telling you, they were the light of my life. They were my, you know, just about everything to me. So I love them all. And my relationship with them all is unique to that relationship. So when I think about the prodigal son, and I think about how, you know, that brother responded and reacted to him, you know, on the surface, yeah, you know, hey, you done did daddy this way. He, he gave you your inheritance early and you gonna just run off and squander the money. And, you know, you don't know, hey, hey especially being an older brother, because I could tell you, I know my older sisters, and I, I even put myself in that category, we saw some things that the younger children did not see. You know, my parents didn't suffer them to see certain things, and even us, you know, they shielded us from a lot of things, but just because, you know, hey, we saw some stuff, because they struggled probably a little bit more with us than they did with the older children. You know, my, my parents have been, become more established as they got older, you know, financially and, you know, academically and stuff like that. But we saw a little bit more. So with us, it's it's a little bit more intense. It's like, man, you know, because I, I saw my mama, you know, uh, struggling to, to take care of us and making sure that the household was taken care of and, you know, scrubbing them floors and taking care, cleaning up after us. We get sick, she come right, clean up after us. She used to clean every room in that house wash clothes, cook, clean, everything. We saw all of that. We saw all of it, and she ain't miss a beat doing none of it. Washing our hair, pressing our hair, and most of the girls, we had that long, if, if we ain't had long hair, we had thick hair. And if we had long hair, we had long and thick hair. So she had to do all of that. Saw my dad, you know, struggling, trying to take care of us, you know, take care of the house, you know, do what they needed to do. We saw that, we watched that. You know, and even though we had our challenges with our parents, it was something that we saw. And even with my children, the older children, they saw some things, you know, (laughs) unfiltered. (laughs) They saw some stuff, you know, so I can imagine putting myself in the shoes of the prodigal son's brother, you know, and he compared, you know, his, hey, wait a minute. You, you, You need to revere daddy a little bit more now. And, and I'm upset with you, but I'm more upset with daddy. How dare he? 
I'm the one that's stuck in here. I kept working when he left and went went off and, and did whatever he did. You know, like he wasn't royalty. And I'm the one that stayed with you and wiped your tears and listened to all your stories. And you going to go celebrate him? What about me? We got to be careful. We got to be careful because that's a slippery slope that we can all fall down into. That's that now, now, now that's something I would love to hear somebody minister to or on is that brother. Let's let's do some research into him. Maybe I'll do it. I don't know. But that's just something. It's something. But that comparison thing, y'all, we got to cut it out. So I'm going to break this off into uh, another segment, uh, not a segment, another broadcast. Uh, And then I'm just going to talk about some things on how um, to stop comparing yourself to others. Okay, so I'm going to come back and and do that and I'll do it as briefly as I can because it's going to come more from a clinical perspective, psychological perspective, just some tips, some things that you can do that will help you uh, to stop comparing yourself. But I pray that this broadcast has been a blessing to each and every one of you. Uh, I got another one I'm going to try to do today. I'm telling you, I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm getting used to this now. I'm getting um, um, excited about doing these little podcasts. I hope that you guys uh, enjoy them. But give me your feedback. You know, give me some of your input. Now, one thing I'm going to tell you up front, the, um, the saying, um, or okay, and, uh, yeah, uh, that is just going to have to work itself out. I already know I do it. I already know it's a problem. So it's going to have to work itself out. Okay. So don't nobody come telling me you need to stop saying, um, uh, uh, okay, okay. Don't feel the words. Because that's just going to happen. But if any of y'all got some techniques or some stuff that'll help me with this gassiness, I'm telling you, I'll be in the middle of talking. I feel like I got a burp, you know. So y'all help me with that. But as it relates to the content, I pray that uh, the substance of what I deliver, you know, is valuable to you and that it is helping you. Because that's my goal here is to give you tangible tools and techniques that can help you in your everyday living, okay? All right, well, I love you all, and we're going to get to this next episode real quick and see if we can get through it. All right, love you so much. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye.